Good to see you this morning, and welcome to guests. We have lots of guests today. Some I met, some I haven't yet. I'm Pastor Brian. Uh, John is away. He and Karen are attending a conference this week with Erwin Lutzer, which will be great. So when you when you give out all the time, sometimes you look and your cup's getting a little low, so you have to go fill your own cup up. So pray for John and Karen as they're away. He's actually speaking at a retirement service today for a friend of ours, Frankie Matthews, down in Lexington, North Carolina. Frankie has been at... Uh, Sheets Memorial Baptist Church for right at 40 years. He was a youth pastor, and then he became the pastor. And uh, it's a great church, and it's, it's the church that has uh, been the central office for Ben, Baptist Equipping Nationals, all these years. We've supported them. You know, John was with uh, Ben in the Middle East uh, teaching before he came to Trinity, and he and I both have been there, and we love that ministry. Now we are going to have a full-time president. Frankie's going to retire and then come become the, uh, he's already the president of Ben, but he's going to be able to travel. He will be with us in our missions conference in November, and we're very excited about that because he's a great speaker and a great friend, and so uh, I hope we can do a little deer hunting together while he's here. So we're looking forward to having uh, Frankie come up and be with us. Question for you this morning. By the way, guests, if, if you're here for the first time or you've been here a couple of times, there's a Connect card on the back of the chair. If you'd like to complete that, you can drop it in one of the offering boxes in the back or hand it to me, and we'd like to connect with you this week, let you know about groups that are meeting, different places, let you know about different ministries here at Trinity and how you can get involved. And if you have questions, uh, just run me down, and I'll be glad to answer any of those for you. Before we get to the sermon this morning. I have a question. This is a little sermonette before the sermon, okay? Some churches you just get a sermonette, but you get both here today. Have you found yourself worrying more than you used to? I think all of us would say uh, the last year that we have been um, more, we've worried more. There's more to worry about. And if you want something to worry about, just turn on the television or just listen to any media. They'll make sure you got something to worry about. But I came across this this week. and I, You know, people post all kinds of things, and a lot of them are good. You don't have a clue who said it, so you can't give credit. I don't like that because I like to give credit, but uh, I wish I knew who said this because it's very good. Fear does not stop death. Fear stops life. I think we can all relate to that. In the last year and a half, our lives stopped, and worrying didn't do a bit of good, and fear doesn't do any good. It makes life stop. Worry does not take away any of tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. I found that to be true, haven't you? And even though I don't know who said this, and I wish I did, I do know what Jesus said. Listen to this. Just, you just listen. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? 
So why do you worry about the things of this world? Clothing and all those the things that, you know, we focus on all kinds of things in life. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, here's the Solomon connection. Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today, uh, today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And he closes that section saying, Seek ye first, what? Kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. There will be plenty of worry. Don't get ahead worrying about tomorrow, because there will be plenty to worry about. And you'll have to come back and refocus on this passage. Sufficient for the day is its own Well, God is in control, isn't he? And the path that we're on, the journey that we're on, catches us by surprise. Sometimes things happen that we don't expect, and things happen. We say, God, why did you let that happen? But rest assured, he's bringing it all together for his glory and for our good. End of sermonette. I thought somebody might could use that this morning. Now let me back up here. By the way, David showed up this morning. I'm so glad. His mom and dad are out of town, and he showed up anyway. So he and Sean back there, we couldn't operate without them. Thank you, guys. I'm in a series mostly for young people, but not just for young people, entitled Truths You Probably Won't Learn in School. Now, I put the word probably in there because I told you last week, sometimes you get a surprise and we recognized our teachers and how many Christian teachers we have in our congregation here. And uh, s- sometimes they can share things and sometimes they can't. But rest assured, they want to. And sometimes you learn truth from the most unlikely places. And I might share something like that today toward the end of the service that might surprise you a little bit. Surprise me. But last week we were in the book of Proverbs and we talked about the source of wisdom. And if you didn't, the beauty of missing a message is it's all archived, it's online. Maybe someday we'll be like J. Vernon McGee. We'll be gone and our messages will still be. Don't you love old J. Vernon McGee? I don't know how he wound up in California from Tennessee, but God used him in a great way. And I still like to listen. If I want to hear some good teaching, I turn on J. Vernon McGee. But you can, you can listen to last week's message, but I'll give you it in a nutshell. The source of wisdom. We talked about knowledge. Knowledge abounds. Knowledge is everywhere. Knowledge is good. Knowledge is bad. You don't want to know all knowledge, but it's out there. And there are many sources of knowledge, but if you're going to get wisdom, there's only one source, and it's this book. And it's the God of this book. And so we talked about the source of wisdom um, and we, I encourage you young people and younger people, if you want to be wise, listen to the Word. You've got to get in the Word of God if you're going to be wise. But God also gave you parents who know more than you know. And if you learn to listen to your parents, God intends to use that to help you learn to listen to Him somewhere down the road because you recognize that authority in your life and if you don't recognize authority, you won't recognize God. And that's where our culture is. They don't want any authority 
in their life, and we push God out. So there's very little wisdom. Lots of knowledge, but very little wisdom because we don't seek Him. And ultimately, we want to learn to listen to Him. So we listen to our parents in the meantime. And if we don't learn to listen to them, we probably won't learn to listen to God. That was the message last week in a nutshell. We're back in Proverbs this morning. Proverbs 1. I talked about my grandfather on one side of the family, so I hope you'll bear with me this morning. Somebody uh, said, when, when Pastor Brian preaches, we always hear about two things. We hear about Floyd County, and we hear an, an illustration about agriculture. Well, I guess that's just who I am, but I hope you can relate to those things. Jesus talked about the things people could relate to, didn't he? So let me give you just a little snippet of my grandparents on the other side, my mom's side of the family. Their last name was Underwood. There's a book written about Floyd County called A Man Who Moved a Mountain. When I read that book, I couldn't put it down because it's about my heritage and it's about my spiritual heritage. It's about a preacher named Robert Childress who grew up in Patrick County, just down the mountain from Floyd, and he, uh, he was called into ministry, and he built seven rock churches in Floyd County. You might have seen those, built from stone, the exterior is built from stone off the, the land. Beautiful churches. As far as I know, they're all open, and maybe COVID's closed one or two, but uh, they're, they're, they're Presbyterian churches that are still functioning, and I know many of the people that attend those churches because uh, my family is related to some of them. But Childress pastored during the Great Depression, preceding the Depression through to the Depression, hard times, especially hard in, in the mountains. And back then, people were so hopeless it reminds me of some people the last year. You know, they, they were at home, nothing to do, uh, scared, afraid. And what do people do? They turn to alcohol. They turn to, to different things to try to, to cope, try to numb their hopelessness. And that's what people did during the Depression. The mountain people, during that time, alcohol was king. This preacher, Childress, said he remembered his, his parents were alcoholics and he remembered being drunk the first time at the age of five. And there was just no hope. Things were hard. Uh, there was no money. There was no jobs. People were just trying to survive. And they, so they, they turned to, to alcohol. Childress went to a Baptist brush arbor meeting when he was a teenager. I don't know if you know what a brush arbor is, but they used to go out in the woods, build this structure, kind of a pavilion, out of trees and brush, and they'd bring their chairs and they'd go and they'd have preaching. You couldn't travel too far, so the preacher would go to the people. He heard the gospel, Robert Childress heard the gospel in one of those brush arbors and trusted Christ as his Savior. A little later, God called him into ministry, and he didn't know what to do. He, he had a family already. He tried to go to a Baptist school, and they wouldn't accept him because he, was, he had a family and he was older. So he wound up going to Union Seminary in Richmond, Virginia, and became a Presbyterian preacher. Now, he was a grace of God preacher. He preached the gospel 
he would baptize you either way. If you wanted to be sprinkled, he'd sprinkle you. If you wanted to be immersed, he would, immer- he would immerse you. But I tell you that story, and here is where my family comes in. When he, when he graduated from Union Seminary, he was quite a preacher, and he was offered a prominent church, city church, uh, as his first pastorate. And as, after he prayed about it, he said, no, I'm not going to take it. I'm going back to the mountains to my people. Because he had such a burden for people around him. He knew how he grew up. He knew the hopelessness. He knew his parents and the experience. That ever, so he went back to Floyd County and began preaching and built these churches. Now, here's how he built the churches. There were no jobs. Mountain people were too proud to take a handout. So they would bring their horse and sled with a load of stone from their land. He would pay them something like 10 cents a day or whatever he could scrape up. They would, and they would build these church. The people built these churches themselves. So it's, it's quite a story. And he was for progress. He wanted roads built. He knew that something had to change before the community could, community could change. And most of all, he knew that people who were controlled by alcohol had to be changed from within. And that was his burden, to see people have hope and something to live for and something to work for. So he was, he would, they, we would call him progressive in that nature today. Well, here's what happened. So many people came to Christ under his ministry. He was preaching 14 times a week, two at each church. He would move, he, he finally had a car, he would carry a pump organ, and uh, that was all the music they had. So, Jay, how would you like to carry your organ in and out every week? But people began to get saved. Well, people stopped drinking so much. The people who were in the alcohol business didn't like that. He was cutting into their revenue. And he bl- they blamed it on him. All these people are changing. So one day... A group of men who were drinking at the time stopped him in the road in his car and said, we're going to kill you, preacher. You've, you're cutting in on our, on our business. And you can see them waving their pen. And by the way, Floyd was like the Wild West back then. Here's how bad it was. Their beliefs were so backward and so fatalistic, they'd pull a gun out and point it at a guy and pull the trigger and say that if it went off, it was God's will that that man die or God would have stopped it. That's how fatalistic they were. How'd you like to live like that? So they stopped him in the road. They said, preacher, we're going to kill you. He said, okay. He said, I knew I'd go to heaven somehow. I didn't expect it this way. But before you do, can I pray first? Well, they put their pistols up, took their hats off, like, like good respecting mountain men. And he began to pray, and here's what he did. He prayed for their families, prayed for their kids. He opened his eye about a half hour later, one guy left. He prayed some more, and he kept praying and praying until finally he looked up and they were all gone. When I saw that, I thought that is the wisest thing I ever heard of. Who would ever... I'd, I'd probably pull my pistol out and defended myself. But here, this guy trusted God, and, and God gave him, that is wisdom. to be. And, of course, he got in his car and went on his way. That's the kind of man he was. He, he had a lot of wisdom. 
Well, my grand to, to cut to the chase, my grandmother and grandfather were saved under his ministry, and so was my mother. That is the spiritual side of my family. I never got any spiritual direction from my dad's side of the family. I shared the wisdom my my other grandpa, but this is my spiritual heritage. My mother took my brother and sister and I to church, to Tuggles Gap Baptist Church, where we lived, and at the age of 11, I came to know Christ as Savior. If I hadn't, I would have been just like one of those crazy mountain men. You probably think I still am, but that's okay. So, that's, that's my spiritual background. Now, when, when I heard of Pastor Childress, by the way, he had a son who was called into ministry whose name was Brian, and my mom named me after Brian Childress. So, that's the connection there. By the way, don't, don't ever mess with an old farmer or an old preacher, okay? Did, did you hear about the preacher that went to see the farmer one day and he kept saying, Farm, Mr. Farmer, you, you and the Lord have a beautiful place here. He said it about three times. He said, you and the Lord have a beautiful place here. And the old farmer finally got enough and said, well, you should have seen it when he had it by himself. So, witty people. Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 8. Listen to the Word of God this morning. My son, hear the instruction of your father. And do not forsake the law of your mother. For they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood, let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause, let us uh, swallow them alive like Sheol or like the grave, and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions, we shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us and let us have one purse. Sounds like the Wild West, doesn't it? Join the gang. We'll go have a big time. We'll rob everybody and we'll split, sp- split the spoils. Look what Solomon said to his son. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. Now, if you're younger today and you're hearing about these people who wanted to murder someone you're probably thinking i don't know anybody like that i don't i don't know any friends that i could fall in with that would ever do anything like that well did you know all of us that we are capable of any sin that an unsaved person is capable of sometimes we forget that sometimes we look down our nose at people we think Look at what they've done. Were it not for the grace of God, that could be us. So don't 
go too far to say, I would never do this or I would never do that. I would never fall in with a group like this. James Dobson, y'all remember James Dobson, founder of Focus on the Family. He went to be with the Lord in January. He, w- he used to interview people in prison on death row. If you have the guts, watch the Ted Bundy interview. That's all I'll say about that one. But he interviewed a man one time, and I tried to find his name. He had a nickname like Big Nose or Big Ear or something like that. He was the most feared guy in prison because he had murdered an inmate. And Dobson interviewed this man, and he said, How did you get on death row? Well, he said, Well, I was in prison, and this guy threatened me, so I killed him. So he got a death sentence for killing an inmate. He said, No, I want to know how you got started. He said, well, I started by stealing. And then it got to be uh, armed robbery. And then he went on down the list of things that he had done. And then he stopped and he said, you know what, Mr. Dobson? It all started with a Pepsi and a pack of crackers. He said, what do you mean? He said, that's the first thing I ever stole was a Pepsi and a pack of crackers. Now, we might sort of say that, well, that wasn't a serious offense. But then he stole something larger. And then he stole something greater. And the spiral started down in his life. And, and a lot of it was because of the company that he kept. The people that he hung around. Uh, people who influenced him. So, I, I want to give you some sound biblical advice this morning. From the Word of God. This is from my heart, but more than that, it's from the Word of God. And uh, here is um, first point. Make good choices. Make good choices. You say, well, I, I try to make good choices. Good. My, my parents try to help me make good choices. Good. By the way, they're, they're for you. When, you. when you think your parents are against you sometimes, they're not. They, they've lived longer than you have. They, they know, uh, and by the way, don't forget that your parents were once teenagers themselves. And I, I remember that. I remember things that I have done, foolish things that I did as a kid and as, as a teenager. And I look back, and at the time you think wasn't serious at all, but now you look back and it scares you to death, doesn't it? Some of the things that you did and some of the things you you wrote. And you know if it were not for the grace of God, you wouldn't even be here today. So listen to wisdom. Choose your friends carefully. There are people like this man sitting in jail today because they didn't choose their friends carefully. Choosing your friends wisely will make a huge difference in success and failure. As a matter of fact, the choice of friends may be a matter of life and death. Now, we had some fun last Sunday morning telling you some of these stories, I hope, about family and so forth. But this this message is a little more sobering than that. I want to tell you a couple of stories from high school. When I was in school, in the 11th and 12th grade, four of my classmates went into eternity. 
One died with cancer. His name was Buddy Poff. I'll never forget. He had cancer. He lost his leg. He was in the band, and we built a trailer. So he played the kettle drums. And so we built a trailer so he could uh, participate on the football field and, and marching on the field and parades. But cancer finally took Buddy's life. But three of my classmates died in car accidents. Now, this is what scares me when I look back, because I grew up in the time of fast cars, muscle cars, you know, the ones that are worth a fortune today, and they are worth a fortune. Those were the cars that kids were driving to school. A friend of mine named Keevan had a 1972 Dodge Duster 340 4-speed, orange, beautiful car. Had an argument with his mother one morning, took off down the road to school, hit a poplar tree about this big, running 100 miles an hour because he had an argument with his mother and went off mad. Took his life, and of course she blamed herself for it. I don't know that she ever got over that. He would be alive if he listened to the words of Solomon. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. I pass that spot often and I always think of him. I see that big scar on that tree. And I remember he hit that tree so hard the front wheel came off and they never found it. He went into eternity like that. Another young man was riding with a friend of his and there was an accident and he was killed. And often that's the case, you know, it's the passenger who dies. And I remember that young man at the funeral with, with uh, his dad and an uncle under each arm and he was so distraught he couldn't even walk because his friend had been killed in an accident. But the one I most remember we can all relate to, her name was Lois. She was a good kid like you. She went to church. Lois was a believer. And we we knew her well and, and we loved her. She had a boyfriend who was older who dropped out of school. And one day he said to her, we're going to skip school. I'll pick you up when they drop you off the bus. I'll bring you back and put you on the bus and you'll go home and your parents will never know the difference. They went to Roanoke, stayed a little bit too long. He, too, was in a fast car, a 1970 Nova. I can still see it. Coming back, trying to get her back to get on the bus, there was an accident, and Lois was killed instantly. Poor choices. Can you imagine her parents not even knowing that she had skipped school that day, finding out what happened. Now, I don't mean to be morbid and tell you these stories to upset you, but let me tell you this. They had an impact on me. I never forgot. Because I knew these people, and I knew the situations. I knew the the choices that they made. They They were bad choices. And... From that time on, I I tried to learn. Did you know that you can learn from the mistakes of others? You can learn from from bad things that happen, and if you dig deep enough, you you can find out what could have been different, what could 
they have changed? What other choice could have been made? Well, in, in this case, she made a poor choice. And as a result, it, it took her life. Be careful the company you keep. And part of the company you keep is the choices that you make. Now, now let me get back on the positive. God wants you to make good choices. So he gives you people in your life that help you make good choices. If you will talk to them, if you will listen to them and weigh what they say, it's possible for you to move through life and not make the bad choices that other people make. Now, we we make enough on our own, don't we? I've made plenty of them. So I'm not one to stand up here and say that I've never made a bad choice. I've made plenty of them. And every adult in the room will tell you that that's true for them as well. But I've, since that time, tried to make good choices. I've tried to weigh the choice. I've tried to listen to people. By the way, uh, young people, do you know uh, your, your biggest problem? It's impulse. You know, we do things without thinking. I've done, I look back at things that I have done, and I'm like, what in the world? And you ask somebody, why did you do that? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I was just having fun, and, and you ought to have fun. There's nothing wrong with having fun. And I love to be around young people that are so full of life and, and love to have fun. But you need to be careful the company you keep and the choices you make. Look at Proverbs 1.10. My son. Now Solomon's writing to his own son. Who, by the way, who was Solomon's son? Rehoboam. I'll let you investigate the life of Rehoboam because Rehoboam didn't listen to his dad very well. I'll let you study that on your own. That's a, that's a lesson in itself. But he's writing to Rehoboam and he said, My son... If sinners entice you, do not consent. I think I could uh, change one word there from if to when. When sinners entice you. You know, there's always somebody around that you can get in trouble with. There's always somebody who says, we're going to have a party. Why don't you go? We're just going to have a little fun. Nothing's going to happen. No one's going to get hurt. And I hope you hear the words of Solomon. If sinners entice you, do not consent. Learn to make good decisions. Learn to say no. It's okay to say no. I know in the culture in which we live what the pressure is from peers and from social media and all other things. But you have to learn at some point in life to say no. And Solomon is telling his son here, uh, when sinners entice you, say no. Now you say, who is a sinner? I don't have any people in my life like that. Well, let me remind you of something. You are a sinner, and so is everyone around you. You say, my boyfriend is a sinner? Yeah, if he's a Christian, he's still a sinner. And if he's not a Christian, he's dangerous. And all the dads said, (laughs) so, my sweet girlfriend is a sinner? Yes. Everyone, everyone, and we're capable. 
we don't intend, but we get caught up sometimes in things, and the first thing we know, it's not with a stranger that we're in trouble. It's with someone that we know, and sometimes someone that we trust. So, make good choices. Now, last week I talked about listening to your parents. This week I want to talk about talking to your parents. I won't ask for a show of hands of how many of you enjoy talking to your parents, but I'll ask you parents something. Do you talk to your children? Um, You say, I try to. Well, that's good. And they should know that they can talk to you. One of the things that we always told our kids, and we meant this, if you get in any trouble, I don't care what kind of trouble it is, you call us and we'll come get you. No questions asked. Now, there might be some questions down the road, but you call us and we'll... You Any trouble that you find yourself in, you can call me and I will come and get you. You don't have to be ashamed to call me to come and get you. The other thing that we tried to do through the years is we always tried to have an evening meal together. Now that's fun, isn't it? Trying to get everybody scheduled together. Uh, and it was tough for us. But there's something about sitting down to a meal and looking your kid in the eye. And saying, are you okay? And them looking you in the eye. As a matter of fact, Jameson's birthday is this week, and he'll be 25. And Natalie's home, and the four of us sat down and had a meal last night together. And Mom is never happier than when her kids are around the table. We still try to do that. But we fought through that. One was here and one was there. We had to change the meal time so we could sit down and have a meal so we could talk to one another. And sometimes it was one-way conversation, and often it is. But you should be able to talk to your parents, and parents, that starts by talking to your children. Do you know that the average dad spends three minutes a day in meaningful conversation with his child. Now think about that. Now I'm not talking about texting. I'm not talking about other kinds. I'm talking about face-to-face communication three minutes a day. Now, mom might spend more than that, but three minutes a day in meaningful conversation. I have a concern. We've stopped communicating face-to-face There's something about looking each other in the eye and looking at the body language and and hugging each other and that that you can't get in the society in which we live in when we're so scattered and so spread out and pretty soon you don't even know who your kids' friends are. You don't know who they're friends with on Facebook. Well, you might know that. But uh, Snapchat, all the other, and the new things that I don't even know about. Do you know who your kids are communicating with? It's your responsibility, parents, to know that. And some of your kids are young. You need to think about this. By the way, it's the parents' responsibility to set boundaries. Your kids are screaming for boundaries. They hate boundaries. But they're screaming for you to set them and to stick to them. And it may mean the difference in life and death because you as a parent, husband and wife sat down and said, here are the boundaries that we're setting for our kids. We don't care what. We don't care what others are doing. These are the boundaries that we're going to set for our kids. 
And that helps your children make good choices. So, young people, make good choices. Parents, help your kids make good choices. Making good choices helps us to avoid bad choices, obviously. Like the choice that Solomon was trying to warn his son about. Son, there's going to be somebody somewhere that always has something going on that's, that will get you into trouble. We had, uh, when we were pastoring in Radford, we had a group of young boys who went to the local school. They thought it would be fun to vandalize some things. Well, two were troublemakers, and they were always in trouble, but one young man got caught up with the group. Well, guess what? He got the same punishment that the rest of them did. And he was a good kid. He would have never done anything like that. But he was, he was along with the group. He made a bad choice. He made a choice of the wrong company. And as a result, there's a scar on his record for life. Now, we can overcome scars, but they're always there. They can be forgiven. You can make restitution. But once you've made that decision, and uh, it's too late. You can't go back and change it. So... Talk to your kids. Kids, talk to your parents. Talk to your pastors. Talk to your youth pastor. And listen to good advice so that you can make good choices and avoid bad ones. Solomon says to be like a bird. Look at verse 17. What in the world is that? Why would he throw that in in the middle of this paragraph? Well, when... You see two birds sitting on a phone line and you hear them chirping and you think they're just making good music. Let me tell you what's happening. The daddy bird is saying to the baby bird, you see that net? You don't ever want to get in a net. Because if you get in a net, you're caught and then your life's going to be over. You're going to be destroyed. They're going to devour you. So... Little bird is sitting beside daddy bird, and if he's smart, he looks at that net and he says, I don't ever want to get caught in a net like that. And if he's wise, he steers clear of nets. A bird caught in a net uh, will soon be devoured. And Solomon uses that illustration to say to us, you know, you've got to learn to be wise and see things coming. You've got to to learn that there's some things you avoid at all costs. There's some, there's some decision, and you know the best time to make the decision, and really the only time to make the decision is before you get there. You know, in, in the heat of the moment, and in uh, the, the time when everybody's having fun, and somebody says, let's do so-and-so, and you're impulsive, and you go along with the crowd, if you haven't made your mind up beforehand, you're, you're going to find yourself caught in a net. You've got to stop and think, there are some things that I'm never going to do, and I'm going to determine that now. I'm going to set my own boundaries. My parents have helped me, but I'm going to set boundaries for my life so that I can make good choices and avoid bad choices. We want you, we want all of us as pastors, we want our people to make good choices, informed choices, biblical, spiritual choices. We've made enough of our own bad ones, haven't we? 
We can all say that. We can, we can look back and say, but from this day forward, you don't have to repeat the mistakes of others and you don't have to even repeat your own mistakes. You can make good choices because you've listened to the Word of God and you've said, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to make the right choices. I want to avoid the bad ones, which brings us to the best of all. Seek God's choices. You know, God's choices for us are always the best. Now, I used to believe that God had this blueprint for life called the will of God. I came through school back at a time when uh, there was teaching that, okay, God has a blueprint, and if you miss one step in this blueprint, you've ruined your life. Well, that's not true. Now, God wants us to make the right choices, but here's the most balanced biblical view I can give you. God has a plan for your life, but he also gives you some choices. And you can choose uh, to go against his word, and if if you're going directly against his word, you know that's a bad choice. You know what God says, you know what you've been taught. If you deliberately go against all of that, then... You're headed down the wrong road. You made a bad choice. But if you take God's word in mind and the things that you've been taught, and then the choices come in life, for instance, I don't think God says to you, you have to go to this college, and you have to major in this major, or you're out of my will. Now, there was a time when, when I might have thought that, but I think God gives us choices. There was a time when I would have said, God has one person for you to marry, and if you miss that person, then you're out of God's will. Isn't that a terrible way to think? But I was taught that I I think there might be more than one person that you can marry in God's will. So seek His choices. Seek His will for your life. Go to His Word. Find out the basic truths. Am I to marry a believer or an unbeliever? If I'm a believer, I'm to marry a believer. Don't marry an unbeliever. Don't don't get in a relationship. And you you go down that list and you you set your boundaries. By the way, we we have a couple in our congregation this morning. I asked for permission to tell their story. Um, It's Russell and Debbie. They were in love for a long time. But Russell wasn't saved, and he wouldn't. she wouldn't marry him. I'm not trying to embarrass Russell there. He knows that he would tell you this too. Russell came to a wild game banquet over at Calvary Baptist Church in Radford, heard the gospel, and trusted Christ as his Savior. When Russell trusted Christ as his Savior, Debbie said, I'll marry you now. So he not only got the Lord, he got Debbie. But, and they were older. This has been on for a long time. And, and then I got to do their wedding about how many years ago, Russell? How many? Nine long years for her. Boundaries. They set boundaries and they stuck to their boundaries. We want you to make the right choices. Make good choices. Avoid bad choices. Seek God's choices. If you had told me 
years ago that I would ever quote a country song in a sermon, I would tell you I was crazy. But I'm going to quote one this morning. By George Jones. Does anybody know George Jones? George Jones died several years ago. I heard his funeral and I was amazed because at the end of his life, somewhere near the end of his life, he came to know the Lord. George Jones was a notorious drinker. People would fill stadiums waiting to hear him, and he'd get on a drunken binge and not even show up. He did that many times. He would be a no-show many times. So he wrote a song. I want you to listen to it. It's called Choices. I've had choices since the day that I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, no, I wouldn't be here today living and dying with the choices I've made. Now, some of you say that's a typical country song. How depressing can you be? Well, Solomon wrote a book called Ecclesiastes, and he talked about some of the mistakes that he made in life and the regrets that he had too. And Solomon, with all his wisdom, didn't finish very well in life. So you can learn something from anybody. I was tempted by an early age I found. I liked drinking, and I never turned it down. Oh, there were loved ones, but I turned them all away. Now I'm living and dying with the choices I've made. I guess I'm paying for all the things that I have done. If I could go back, how many of us would say that if I could go back? Oh, Lord knows I'd run but I'm still losing the game of life I play, living and dying with the choices I made. What a sad story. But we can learn from people who've made bad choices. We can learn from people who look back on life and said, I wish I had done this differently. And we can listen to that and say, okay, as I make my decisions... I'm not going to make that choice. I'm going to make good choices. I've had choices since the day that I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, I wouldn't be here today living and dying with the choices I've made. Choices are so important. Make good ones. Avoid bad ones. Seek God's choices. They're always best. Now, we're at a crossroads this morning, speaking of choices. You're sitting here listening to me preach. And God is speaking to us if we're listening. And every one of us has a choice to make in life. That is a choice to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. We can choose Him, speaking of choices. Does God force Himself on us? Never. He gives us opportunities. He gives us, He gave us His Son so that we could be forgiven, so that our sins could be washed away, never brought against us again, and it, but it's our choice. You can choose Christ or you can reject Christ. You'd be a fool to reject Him. If you're listening to this online or you're listening years from now, you would be a fool 
to reject the gift of salvation that God gives through his son, Jesus Christ. Yet we all stand at that crossroads. I can remember as a young person when I stood at that crossroads. The preacher shared who Jesus was, what he had done for me, and he said, now it's up to you. Are you going to receive him or reject him? And that night I received him. And my life has never been the same. Have I been perfect? Absolutely not. I made a lot of mistakes and a lot of bad choices in life, but I made that good choice, and it helped me make other good choices. So here we are at a crossroads this morning. I want you to bow with me today, and I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about your heart right now, just you and the Lord. And what he's speaking to you and what he's saying to you. Now, you may be here and many years ago you trusted Christ as Savior. Well, are you walking with him? You know, those are choices too. Are you about to make a very bad choice in your life? Mature Christian people do that all the time. And God comes into our lives and he says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. When sinners entice you, do not consent. Do not consent. Do not make that decision that's going to ruin your life and the lives of people around you forever. Don't do it. Or maybe you're a young person looking at the other direction of life. And you're thinking, there's so many choices to make. Let me encourage you to begin with a relationship with God through His Son and then to begin listening to him and reading his word and listening to those around you, and you can make great choice. You can make all the right choices in life, and God wants you to, and we want you to. But it's a matter of surrender to him. It begins with salvation. And I'm going to do something we don't do often here at Trinity. I'm going to ask Jay if he would just come up here and play for a moment. I'm, we're going to extend an invitation to you this morning. And as your head is bowed and no one's looking, maybe there's something you need to come up. We sang that song, Come to the Altar. Uh, maybe you'd just like to come up this morning and pray. Maybe you'd like to have somebody counsel with you and talk. Maybe uh, you're looking back on your life and saying, you know, I really can't remember when I trusted Christ. My parents told me this. I've always believed that. But, you know, I really need to get that solved in my life. And I need to do it today. So as we just bow, as you think about your own life, and as you um, seek the Lord and say, Lord, what are you speaking to me about in my life today? Is it a decision for salvation? Is it another decision? Is there a direction in my life that's not good? And God has shown it to me this morning, and I need to come to Him and say, Lord, I need to confess that to You. I need to turn. And I need to continue my walk with You. So the floor is open this morning. You can come up, heads bowed. You pray for others who God is speaking to this morning. And you just come if you need to talk to them.
You know, sometimes you can talk to the Lord right where you are. You can work out every situation. Sometimes He wants you to get up and move and show Him that you mean business. I'm not trying to pressure you today. I'm just saying uh, it's good to show the Lord that you mean business. So if you want to come this morning, you can. curses of life is that we're always in a hurry, aren't we? God's never in a hurry. Sometimes He needs us to slow down so we can just hear Him. So we will listen to Him. Father, we thank you today for your truth. Where would we be without it? Well, it's not hard to look around in our world and see where most of the world is without truth. But we're thankful that you've given us your word. We're thankful that you've given us something that does not change. Right is right and wrong is wrong. 
we could go down a list of many other things that you've taught us and told us that does not change. Our society has changed, but you have not. You have set boundaries for people. People have chosen to break those boundaries to their own regret. But we're thankful that you're a God who speaks clearly to us. So we come to the choice many times of obeying or disobeying in our lives. And when we disobey, we know. And we're thankful there's forgiveness for disobedience. There's restoration for uh, sin. The Father, choices always have consequences. We want to make the best ones. We want to make the right ones. We want to make your choices. So as we continue this study, we pray that we would listen to you Spirit of God working in our hearts. And we thank you so much that you care enough about us to love us even in our sin and to pick us up and to clean us off and to help us as we walk with you to make the best choices. Thank you. In Jesus' name.